everybody. This is Chris. And Kathy. We wanted to take a minute to thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate every listener and are grateful for this platform. Please help us share our vision by subscribing to our show through your favorite streaming app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Petability Podcast. Check out our ever-growing list of affiliates and sponsors. Simply go to the show notes for information and links. And be sure to use our promo code PETPOD22, that's P-E-T-P-O-D-2-2, on checkout to receive your discount from our affiliates. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Alon Landa, CEO of MedcoVet, and I'm a proud sponsor of PetAbility. We decided to partner with Chris and Kathy because, like them, we want to empower all pet owners who are trying to do the most for their pets. At MedcoVet, we specialize in advanced home laser therapy for pets. Laser therapy is a safe and effective treatment for common conditions like arthritis and wounds, and it relieves pain for most conditions caused by inflammation. With MedcoVet, pet owners can perform this treatment at home while receiving support from experienced clinicians. If you think your pet would benefit from healing at home, visit MedcoVet.com, and one of our clinical experts will work with you to determine if home laser therapy is the right fit for you and your pet. Tell them PetAbility sent you. Welcome to PetAbility. I'm your host, Kathy Simons. And I'm your host, Chris Cranston. Our podcast provides interviews and information to help your pets live their best lives. Good morning, Kathy. What's going on today? Good morning, Chris. It's a fantastic day today. Um, we have a guest that we have been pursuing for quite some time now, so I'm very excited about this. Indeed, indeed. And uh, I have personally known Samantha Hankey uh, for a very long time. Um, we were just talking before we came on air that we met in 2015, so over seven years, and um, I am so excited to pick her brain because from the time that I met her, which was when she interned with me at Flowdog, I have witnessed her progression, the, the path that Sam has taken since then to specialize in more alternative, holistic care, utilizing uh, some of the, the unique gifts that she has, which I personally witnessed and asked her about when she was interning with me. Um, so I could tell in the way that Sam touched the animals, seemed to communicate with the pets in our care. And like I said, it was just a, something I couldn't quite put my finger on. So I'm like, Sam, what, what's going on here? And so I'm so happy that she has pursued this, this path and that continued to be uh, part of a care team. Uh, that includes Sam. Right. And I, I can't even um, express the importance of having a connection with somebody who's able to do this type of tissue work with animals. And it's made my job so much easier because we've shared some patients as well. You really need to be skilled and a professional to handle tissue like this as far as massage goes and touch goes. So I'm excited to learn more and hear how she does it. So let's get into Sam's bio. She is a certified veterinary nurse with over five years of experience in alternative veterinary medicine. She is also a certified small animal massage practitioner and Reiki master. She trained in acupuncture, huina, and cranial sacral work for animals as well. Sam studied 
at the Mount Ida College Veterinary Technician Program, where she received her Bachelor's of Science and shortly thereafter passed her boards to become a certified veterinary nurse. While in school, Sam also trained to become a Reiki master and have both an education in veterinary sciences and the metaphysical. She believes that everyone and everything is made up of energy, and Reiki gives us the ability to harness that healing energy and give it to the recipient for their highest good and release what they know what no longer serves us. Today, we are going to focus primarily on the massage aspect of Sam's practice, which is called Healing with Sam. Her healing services for both animals and people encourage people and animals to work with their energetic body to improve their quality of life. Welcome, Samantha Hankey. Welcome, Sam. Thank you guys so much. That was so nice. <laughs> Sam, as she's talking, I was thinking, you know what Sam does? She works with issues in your tissues. That's yes, exactly. Ooh, yes. I, love, I love that phrase so much. I use that all the time. I love it. That's, that's going to be the title of the show. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> So Sam, I think we, you know, we would like to know, you know, if we could talk a little bit about, let's talk a little bit about your credentialing. How did you become certified as a small animal um, massage practitioner? Um, and what led you down that road? So I was brought up in a pretty alternative medicine household. So I think I was always exposed to both Eastern and Western medicine. So when I was in veterinary nursing school, it's not something that they talked about a lot. So I definitely started doing um, my own research because I knew that's what I wanted to pursue. And then during my research, I found the Bandcroft School of Animal Massage, which is located in Worcester. And that actually started out as a human massage school and they branched off into small animal, which is what my certification is in, and equine. And yeah, that's so I found that program and I, I went ahead and did it while I was finishing up nursing school, which was kind of crazy at the time, but I'm so glad I did it. And the but Bank this... um, is a is a really well-known, really well-respected school for massage therapy and their animal program is not, I mean, it's 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 run by some pretty big names and it's a lot, a lot of work. It is. Yeah. They're recognized by like the international animal massage and body work um, Institute, which is great. Um, there aren't a lot of massage schools that are certified by them. So, so Sam, tell us a little bit more, like, what did you have to do? Was it coursework? Was it hands-on? Like how many, you know, months, years, hours did you put into getting certified in small animal massage through them? So I I did the accelerated program with them, which took me a year. It was a lot of, I had anatomy in veterinary school, but the, I had more anatomy with the massage school. It was way more about connective tissue, the different muscle groups, where the nerves are, things like that. So like a lot of anatomy, a lot of technique learning, so a lot of lectures, homework, things like that. But then we had a lot of a certain amount of practical hours that I had to put in. So I actually had to go into the facility and practice, practice, practice in front of my teachers and professors. And I actually had to practice on them to make sure I was, you know, doing all the techniques correctly. <laughs> and then to finish up the course, I had to do a certain amount of case studies. So I did entire write-ups about um, different patients and put in a certain amount of hours there too. I remember in, in physical therapy school and when we had to do 
techniques with our professors. That is daunting. And Sam, you also um, did some hours uh, where I employed you at, at my previous business, Flow Dog, you know, where you started doing massage yeah. while you were also working as a veterinary nurse and other practices. Didn't you have to do internship hours or externship hours outside of your clinic at Bancroft as well? Yeah. Yes. So you had to do a certain amount of observation hours with a certified animal massage practitioner. So I believe I followed Amy at Flow Dog for a certain amount of hours. And then you had to be observed by a certified small animal practitioner for a certain amount of hours. And can we just mention or talk just a tiny little bit maybe about the importance of seeking out someone who is qualified and certified. We just don't want to go to the person that puts up their sign in front of their, you know, front of their house saying that they're, you know, that they'll massage your dog. I mean, and and how do pet owners know, I guess, you know, what do they look for? I tell people it's so important to find someone that has the knowledge to know what they're doing. Um, Well, massage can be a gentle modality, which I love about it. It can also, it can cause harm if you don't know what you're doing. If you, you know, if you overstress like an injury, especially the famous one I think of is like, if there's like a CCL tear, there are definitely certain motions and massage techniques that you don't want to use around that area that can actually cause like more damage. Someone hasn't had that proper training that can unfortunately be really tough on the animal. And I always tell people when they're looking for a certified animal massage therapist, it's great to look on their website and see if they mention the school that they went to, you know, what other kinds of trainings they've had and where they've trained and things like that. So the hearing you, it really speaks to the power of massage. You know, it's not just something that can or should be applied willy-nilly because yeah. like you said, it, you know, it has the power to heal, but it also has the power to hurt. Yeah. I also tell people to look if that practitioner is associated or has a relationship with any like veterinarian or veterinary clinic thing, you know, things like that I think are important also. And there, there are so many techniques too that practitioners should know. So not only your effleurage and your petrissage, but you should know about uh, you know vibrations and compression and myofascial releasing. Yeah. Uh, so these are all things that are techniques that you should be, that you have, should have practiced and learned. Um, so I think that's another reason why we need somebody who is really familiar with the animal's body, how tissues feel, right? Mm-hmm. How they should feel, how abnormal, how tissues feel when they're abnormal and how to, and what technique to use to provide relief. Yes, yes. It's that's so important, Kathy. You're right. 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 I love compression. I give I almost everybody I just do a little like squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I think that one can be so anxiety reducing also. Right. I, I love a good compression. <laughs> I think so too. I think that they that a lot of these animals enjoy a, a little uh, yeah, just a little compression. You're right. I think it's just a it's a it's a release maybe or a good feeling, almost like an anxiety wrap. You got that this sort of pressure, you know, relieving those uh, touch receptors, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's really grounding for them too, which I always love. I think it feels good for me too, Sam. I kind of yeah, like it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. like a nice connection while you do right, it. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so now that we've established uh, your credentials, Sam, and, and what everybody should look for when they're seeking out a, a massage therapist for their pet, can you further define your practice? I know we threw out a lot of fancy words uh, besides <laughs> massage. And I know personally, my 
my clientele is is even a little bit reticent to to massage their own pet. And so, you know, how how do you cross that bridge? How do you get people comfortable? How do you define your practice in terms of, again, we talked about massage, but also this twina, what is that? <laughs> Acupuncture and cranial sacral. Can we go down that path, please? Yeah. So I am also trained in twina, which is actually a type of um, Chinese medicine massage. It works a lot with the meridians in the body, which is something that acupuncture actually works with. So different, there are different energetic lines throughout the body that are associated with like different organs and different um, illnesses and such. So this type of massage works with working along those lines and the different points throughout the body. And then they use way more kneading, pressing, rolling, shaking, and more like stretching of the body. It tends to be more gentle than, you know, like a more traditional kind of Swedish massage. And then I'm also trained in acupressure, not acupuncture. So acu acupressure is it's like the same ideas as acupuncture, but acupuncture is using a needle to stimulate acupressure points and or acupoints. And then acupressure is stimulating those points with your fingers. I also, because I'm trained in Reiki, I tend to infuse those points with Reiki, which a lot of patients I've seen really good results with that. Um, and again, each of these points is associated with different organs, body systems, energetics of the body diseases or conditioning, um, conditions that may be happening in the body. So I love being able to offer that. Sam, um, do you, do you, um, you don't just pick one technique for a patient. Is that correct? You might incorporate all of those in a session. I'm, yes, that yeah. is true. <laughs> is that okay? It sounds like, yeah. And it sounds like it's a perfect combination really of using, uh, one and then rolling in with another and then adding in, you know, acupressure. So it, it's patient dependent what you'll use. Yep. Yep. Definitely. It also depends on like the patient's um, tolerance to touch, I would say, mm -hmm. um, and their anxiety level, how they're doing emotionally, things like that. Also how tender or painful they are that day. Definitely depends on what techniques I use and modalities. This is, this is absolutely a listening skill, listening to your patient, watching their facial expressions, connecting with them and knowing, and, and also getting consent from them. Can I touch you here? Is it okay yeah. to touch you there? You know, uh, yeah. it's definitely a, a listening. It's definitely a listening process. Oh my gosh, yeah, and definitely a crafted skill that has taken a lot right. of time. Yes, yeah. right. So, just to kind of reiterate, because I know you define your various techniques on your website, and and uh, you know, we talked about the combination, but this also seems like definitely a combination of Eastern and Western. So, mm -hmm. when we talk about massage you said that that's like an intentional manipulation of the soft tissues. That's what most people think of. That's the Swedish yeah. massage mm -hmm. and trying to optimize healing through that intentional manipulation. Mm -hmm. And then the acupressure, you know, again, very parallel to acupuncture, but using light touch with your fingers as opposed to needles. And then it seemed like the twina was a combination of those two techniques. And then you mentioned some other things as well, like vibration and, and so forth. And then you're always incorporating the kind of the energy component via your your Reiki training and being a Reiki master. Yes, definitely. Um, and then at least with my, you know, type of massage that I practice, it's I'm feeling the body 
and where there are different points of like tension, heat, tenderness, um, trigger points, anything like that. But acupressure and tweena, it's more like set areas that you focus on. So it's less kind of, it's not as free flowing as massages for me. You are obviously feeling different pressures on the acupressure points, but I would say it's definitely more of a structured practice. Yeah. I was just thinking about my own personal experience with structural integration and the purists that do that with humans go through a regimen. You know, each session is predictable and it's an area of focus and you methodically go through that. Mm -hmm. So I'm hearing some parallels between those acupressure and twina modalities that you use and that structural integration, whereas massage is a little bit more, you know, where does the pet need it and adjustable and I guess changeable in the moment, depending on that listening skill that you have. I, I feel like massage tells me where to go. Like when I'm yeah, the body will tell me where to go, and, and let, not the structured one. But when I'm massaging, the body tells me where to go. Is what happens to me. I I generally go in the area that I'm listening to, and the body sort of tells me, go this, you know, go this way or go this way, or the body needs this. I also <laughs> think the animals are always, you know, communicating with us about where they need massage. Right. So. And it's, su- I mean, for me, it's as subtle as like, you know, a sigh, laying their mm-hmm. head down, a yawn. Maybe giving me a look back, like that's too tender today. Please move. <laughs> right, right. Passing gas. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, one thing that we haven't touched on that we mentioned earlier is the cranial sacral. What is that, Sam? So, that is definitely something I'm continuing to learn. It seems to be one of those topics where, I mean, I, you know, I've looked up so many different courses and definitions and done so much research. And I feel like everyone has a slightly different definition, which is so interesting to me. But cranial circular work works with the cranial bones and like the sacrum, pelvis area, and the spine. So basically the idea of it is to kind of gently manipulate those cranial bones because there's a natural rhythm that comes kind of from the brain going down the spine with like the fluid of the spine that will reach your sacrum. So you want like this nice kind of energetic pulsing that's going to help keep all those signals from the brain to the sacrum going so that they can go to the rest of the body. And I know you guys know this, but like the skull is made up of many, many bones. So, and I feel like those are often ignored. So just any kind of gentle movement of those, I just think always feels so good. And my patients definitely seem to relax with that. So I love, I love using it. I've had cranial sacral done and it is very relaxing. I also want to just mention to our listeners out there that, you know, I think all the techniques that you're talking about, Sam, are also applied to human beings. These are not dog specific. (laughs) Yeah. They're, they're healing for, for all, you know, sentient creatures, you know, the cranial sacral, what always fascinated me about that is we think about like blood flow and our, our heart rate and pulse. Right. But again, there is the cerebral spinal fluid that is encapsulated within our central nervous system. So bays our brain and our spinal cord. So again, that head to tail, and that has its own rhythm and flow. And if that's blocked or, you know, not pulsing as it should be, that can cause physical discomfort. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what this 
method is about is restoring that from head to tail and ensuring that that cerebral spinal fluid is flowing as it should. Exactly. It's kind of like unblocking a dam. Like there's a trickle, but you want it to be a nice flow. <laughs> so Sam, can we talk about some of the condition or diagnoses that you treat for animals? Who's your most, who's your biggest patient? <laughs> um, I would say my number one is arthritis, patients with arthritis. I also see a lot of patients with I would say hip dysplasia. I also see a lot of patients with anxiety and a lot of people don't think of, you know, massage or acupressure or things like that for anxiety, but it actually can be so useful. Um, it tends to give the dog like more confidence and things like that. So I love, you know, using massage, not only for physical, but also emotional things. And then also definitely more like acute limp injuries when, where, you know, the owner just has no idea what happened. And the mystery case. It's a mystery case. <laughs> and you it's said a mystery it. case. And, the, you know, the veterinarian has put them on, you know, anti-inflammatories or pain medicines, but it's yeah. not, it's not really making a difference. And I definitely see a lot of those cases, which I, hmm. which I love to see too. I couldn't quite understand. Did you say acute limp injuries, meaning like lameness in a limb? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just wanted to clarify. I couldn't quite understand. And you, you talked about the anxiety. Can you talk a little bit more about that and your, your fear-free approach? Because we've done um, an interview with the fear-free people and Kathy and I are all about it. Kathy's certified and I think you're certified too, right? I am, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what does that mean in your practice? Like, how do you ensure that you're fear-free? So, I mean, there are a lot of techniques from the second the animal walks in the door that I am applying. I never approach a dog right when they come in my door. I let them walk right in. I don't make eye contact with them. I don't reach for them. I let them do any exploration they need. Luckily, I'm currently at an office space where they can come kind of right in and be and explore wherever they need to go, sniff whatever they need to sniff. I do offer a lot of treats too, if it's not overstimulating, just to signal to the animals that this is like a comfortable place where they can eat and relax. I also always get on the floor with the animal and meet them at their level. And again, even if they, at the beginning of massage, even if I massage them for like five seconds and they walk away, I allow them to walk away. I know that everyone is different with how they approach massage, but I never, I choose to never force the animal to stay somewhere if they don't want to. I just feel like that works better for me. And then the animal can build trust with me that if they need a break, that I'm going to give it to them. And through that, I have found over time that the animal will come to me for longer periods of time. And we figured out different things. Like I have some animals that stand the entire massage, um, which obviously like isn't ideal because some of their muscles are more active than others. But if that's what makes them comfortable and that's what we can do to make them feel better and they're benefiting, then I'm totally fine with that. And just meeting them halfway, however I can. Um, and then I usually tell owners, give them like three appointments with me and I like <laughs> it, they will come in and there will be a difference with them coming in and them feeling comfortable with me. Chris and I do a lot of the uh, similar things and you're right. It only takes a short period of time to realize that this is a safe space and that you're a safe person, but it does take a little bit. And some of the things I'm asking animals to do are, seem a little sketchy, right? Yeah. Sometimes, 
I tell people they're always used to being pet, but massage is totally different. Sometimes they're like, what the, like, what are you doing? You're like, we just met. I don't know you. Um, And everybody's an individual. You know, I have one dog who's a black lab who's coming, who comes in and he's like, touch me, touch me, touch me. I don't even know if we know each other, but please. And then I have some animals that come in and go, whoa, 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 we don't know each other. and, And I need to give them that time. Can you imagine too, like if you, if you were approached like that, if you came into somewhere and somebody sort of grabbed you and started, right? it'd be scary. I know. Um, Humans are the same way. Like every human is different. Right. And everybody is different. And, um, you know, uh, Sam and I have this patient that we share. I don't think her mom would mind me mentioning her name. It's a little uh, Frenchie named Olive. And um, also known as the agent of chaos because (laughs) it's chaotic. The combination of, you know, I work with her because she's in a wheelchair and I do a lot of exercises with her and stuff. And I can't do the work that I do with her unless Sam does the work that she does with her, with her neck, with her neck and her shoulders. So the fact that she can come to Sam, trust Sam, get her tissue work done, have all that release and relief and then come to see me just makes my job so much easier because uh, there are times when she can't turn her neck, right? There are times when I can't move her shoulder and then Sam fixes it. <laughs> and then, thank you, Sam. And then she comes in and she's an agent of chaos, right? But you know what? It, and it took me a little bit of time with Olive to to establish that sort of like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna hurt you and we're gonna be friends and it's gonna be okay. Uh, yeah. But what a perfect combination there for for little Olive of, of tissue work and, and, and re- rehabilitation. Yeah, and I... I love working with, you know, all different kinds of practitioners. I think we all bring so many different things to the table and you can just create such a lovely combination that really works and works together so well. I do want to emphasize to our pet parents out there that, um, again, just imagine if you were the dog, you know, this type of work, it, it they may be touched in a place they've never been touched before mm-hmm. and differently. You know, not just stroking the fur in the way that that you know their their owner typically does. So you know, put yourself in in their place, and I I say that with across the board. You know, whether they're going in for you know to get their vaccines and how strange that may be, or you know receiving massage or you know doing some of the the work that Kathy and I do. So very important to realize that. Yeah, and you know sometimes the work is definitely not comfortable, so you just have to. You know, I mean, massage can be relaxing, but definitely some heavier massages needed sometimes. So, Chris, I'd like to take a break here, if you don't mind, to mention our sponsors. Heads Up Pets Water Collar. Water safety is a priority when it comes to our pets. And the unique design of this collar will keep your pet's head and nose above the water, even if they become unconscious. So visit their website at savedogsfromdrowning.com. Let's also mention uh, Dr. Busby's toe grips. How many times have Chris and I talked about the importance of traction almost every episode? So check out Dr. Busby's toe grips at toegrips.com. Toe grips are going to help prevent slipping, splaying, and those painful falls on slippery surfaces. And last but certainly not least, a dogsbestlifebox.com, the enrichment subscription box. Enrichment is the spice of life, and your dog will thank you for everything in that box. Remember to use the promo code PETPOD22 on checkout. That's P-E-T-P-O-D-2-2, all capital letters. Use the promo code at checkout with any one of these sponsors, and you'll receive your 10% discount 
and proceeds will go to help our show. Pivot here a little bit because we've talked kind of around the the big topic that I that I wanted to discuss with you, Sam. And and you know what are some of the 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 benefits that would be unexpected? You know, I think we know. You know, you've touched on relaxation and decreasing anxiety, and um, you know, and how it affects tissues. So, Sam, can you share some of the the common and maybe less common benefits that you've seen through your work? Yeah, so I see a lot of pain relief, which you that shows up in so many different ways. That can show up from anywhere from an owner rule report to me that like a dog hasn't asked to play with their toys in forever. And then after seeing me, they're more comfortable. So they, you know, want to use their squeaky toy again, or they can lift their head up a little bit more to like look up at their owner. Um, you know, small things that you don't think of are a big deal, but then you notice that they're not happening. And when they start happening again, it's so exciting. And then also, I mean, massage can benefit a lot of like skin issues because it can really help with the circulation in the skin. So that's like another one that people don't generally think about. Like if there's been any like fur loss for whatever reason or skin irritation. So sometimes people see improvements on that, which I love. Also GI issues. Um, I work with a lot of constipated animals um, and massage can be so helpful for increasing motility in that GI tract, which I also love. Can I interject here and tell tell my favorite story? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this was when Sam was interning and again, kind of kept all of her skills and on the on the DL. And we were working with a, a pet that had been coming in on a regular basis. And just looking at her, you could see that she was kind of bloated, you know, really firm through the middle and so forth. And her owner reported that she hadn't had a bowel movement in, wasn't it something like two weeks, Sam? It was a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Sam worked her magic and this was skeptical by gosh, she, I think she called me the next day and said, <laughs> you're not going to believe it. As soon as we got home, Ripley had a bowel movement. Yay. <laughs> and so to me, that was exactly like direct cause and effect. And for any, again, I put yourself in the dog's place for any of us, if we hadn't gone to the bathroom in two weeks, can you imagine how uncomfortable we'd be? Yeah, it affects everything. Bowel movements affect everything. Like <laughs> it's important to have them. <laughs> and I, I recently heard a, a human friend of mine say that um what is how'd she phrase it? Like your gastrointestinal system is the brain of your body. Yes. And if, yeah. And if that's not working right, then nothing else is working right. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And Sam, I know we talked a little bit about um the emotional impact of of massage for pa for patients, but I think it's important again to just sort of reiterate that you know tissue holds a lot of stuff. So tissue can hold uh, physical trauma, uh, yeah. injury, but also I think it holds emotional trauma. And and I think that through your techniques, not only can we release things like tension, trauma, tightness, but also sort of this emotional release, emotional trauma release from tissues. Would you oh, agree with that? Oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You do see emotional changes too. When you like loose, if there's been like a spot in their like neck that has just been absolutely holding all this tension and emotional trauma and you release that, I mean, you see huge emotional changes in that animal. <laughs> and um, they're like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Chris was having some pretty significant neck pain and she, 
she treated herself with uh, or she was treated with the shockwave therapy and boy was she happy <laughs> did my mood did my mood in, improve kathy it, it, you were just so happy you just kept telling everyone i haven't had you know i haven't been without pain for years and just you know you were light you know um, yeah. so I think you're, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Sam, but yeah, I think there's an emotional release that happens with these tissues that hold that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Especially when it creeps up over time, you don't realize that it kind of brings this heavier energy about your body. And when that gets released, I mean, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Sam, I have a couple of case studies that, that I wanted to mention. Um, one, you're working with my friend, Millie. From my perspective, and maybe this fits in well here, I mean, she's a great dog, food motivated, seems, you know, happy and energetic, mm -hmm. but her, you know, owner has noted some rather subtle things. And, and, you know, I, I did my typical and tried to help, but Millie would not let me or her owner really do much work with her hind quarters, her rear end, um, yeah. her lower back. And that's where I really felt that, that her issues were manifesting. Mm -hmm. And so I referred Millie and her person to Sam. And from what I've heard, she has had a great turnaround. Can you talk about Millie a little bit? Yeah, she is doing amazing. Um, she was definitely one of those dogs when they first came to me. I don't think I touched her for like the first or I barely touched her. I, we also do Reiki, so that can be done um, more distantly. But I don't think I touched her for the first three sessions at least. Um, and then when I finally did touch her, and luckily her mom is incredibly patient, which is awesome. Um, when I did finally touch her, I did really only work on her front body because she was communicating to me that her hind end was just, it was too intense and we weren't there yet. But now I am able to fully work on her hind end. Um, if she is having a tougher day, she definitely just like politely lets me know, like not today and to, you know, directs me kind of where to go in her body. Um, but her mom has not only reported, you know, increased mobility and everything, but she also said that her dog reactivity has decreased, which makes me so happy because that's another effect, right? Like if you don't feel good in your body, you're going to be more reactive and grouchy. So that's just another thing that I love that you can do with massage. Like you just, <laughs> you feel less defensive and it can help with all kinds of aggression and things like that. I'm glad you brought that up. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's huge, as you said. And, and her, her reactivity is something that her owner had brought her to behaviorists and, and, you know, multiple and worked on. And then somebody, I think one of those behaviorists noted that she had pain in her, her hip area. And mm -hmm. then that's when she came to see me. Yeah. But because I couldn't, you know, directly work with that so much, I mean, we tried to help via, like you said, more distance work, meaning exercise and things like that versus, you know, direct touch and, and stretching and range of motion. Um, but I just really didn't feel like we were, you know, hitting, hitting the nail on the head there. And so I said, go to my friend and colleagues, Samantha Hankey, let's see what she can do. And right away, both you and, and uh, Millie's owner said that, uh, that it was awesome and she was improving so much. So the other case that I want to bring up is our friend Beacon. Yes. <laughs> so similar for me, Beacon's owner is a behaviorist and called me in because they noticed that Beacon was, I think they had already gone to an orthopedist and, and Beacon was diagnosed with some hip dysplasia, but I could not touch Beacon. 
I could not approach her. So again, same technique, you know, methodology that I used, you know, trying to help the owner to do things at home and do certain exercises and so forth. And Beacon's issues persisted. This dog, if the owner looked at her too long, she would go away and the owner couldn't even touch Beacon. Am I right, Sam? Yes. Yep. Beacon went to see a holistic veterinarian and was started on acupuncture, was started on some supplements. I had mentioned seeking Sam's services for a while. As a behaviorist, Beacon's owner started collecting data because they go back to, you know, the science. And so what they were monitoring was the amount of times that Beacon whipped her head around. So they call it tracking the head whip behavior as a measure of Beacon's pain or discomfort. They collected the data for over a month. And I'm looking at the chart now that that Beacon's owner sent. I'd say the average number of head whips per day was three to four, sometimes as many as eight. In a month's time, there were only three days that Beacon did not whip her head around. The day prior to initiating massage with Sam, Beacon had four head whips. Sam worked her magic. Beacon had three days in a row with zero head whips, four out of five days with no head whips. And on that fourth day, it was only one. Dramatic, dramatic <laughs> decrease in that head whip behavior. And again, we have it in in scientifically documented in, in data. I'm looking at the chart right now. Amazing. <laughs> I know. I love a good chart. The sciencey part of me loves this data. <laughs> and I think Beacon's owner said, you know, nerding out, you know, with, with this. But again, we always encourage owners to track things, right? Keep a log, keep a calendar. Um, and sometimes we don't realize because these things like pain and chronic pain have insidiously sneaked up on our pets. And we attribute it to normal, maybe normal aging or as a result of an old injury, but things can change. And how do we know if it's working? By documenting, by tracking. So this just spoke volumes to me. And this beacon too, this is another situation where I know we're not focusing on Reiki today, but I just feel like it's such a big part of my practice. So I can't not mention it. Beacon was so receptive to like that calming energy that I was sending her. And I feel like it gave her a lot of comfort that I wasn't going to do anything that she wasn't uncomfortable with. And I actually, I know that her issues stem from her hips, but I really only massaged like her front body and mid thoracic spine. And I truly believe, I cannot say this enough, that everything is connected in the body. You do not have to direct, if it is too uncomfortable for the animal, you do not have to directly massage that area right away to see a benefit. And clearly that was true with Beacon, which made me so incredibly happy. Right. Kind of sneaking Sneaking up on things over time, like you did with Millie, or, you know, avoiding the area altogether for those systemic effects. You know, the other thing, too, that I think of, and Kathy and I talk about all the time, are the compensations, right? So, you know, if a, if a dog has pain in their rear leg, where are they going to shift their weight? They're going to shift it off of that painful limb and to the front mm -hmm. to avoid that discomfort. And, you know, the reason a dog limps is to minimize, you know, maybe the, the weight-bearing uh, pain and so forth. So when they compensate, then those areas become uncomfortable and painful. And sometimes, you know, as it, that pattern of movement or holding tension habituates, 
that actually becomes the primary problem. You know, the the secondary, the compensation has now shifted from, a, like I said, a secondary issue to the primary issue and hurts more than whatever that original issue was. So definitely. Sam, are you working with other species too? Are you seeing other animals, cats or birds or any other besides canine? Yes, I would say, I mean, I see all, ki all kinds, but the other two that I mostly see are cats. And I do massage work, acupressure work and everything with cats, but they definitely love their Reiki, I would say. And then the other species I see a lot of are actually rabbits. They tend to get a lot of head tilt. And I'm very excited about this, but uh, veterinarians will actually prescribe massages for that, which I think is so amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, rabbits get, they get the same type of pain and, and discomfort and diseases that our dogs and cats get. And so they can benefit as well. Yes. And just like the, they really show a lot of relief on their face too. And I just, I love working with them and they are so, I know they're more skittish energetically, I would say, but they tolerate massage so well. Like I love working with them. Sam, do you teach owners things to do at home? Let's start I, there. And if so, what? I do teach um, techniques for owners to do at home. I love that because of kind of what Kathy touched on. It gets them more used to that type of touch. So when they come to see me, they're definitely more open to it. And also, I just think it's so great for like the owner animal bond that they that the animal can get that kind of relief from the owner at home. I absolutely love that. I do teach safer techniques. So I don't, I only teach things that have very, I would say more minimal impact. So I do a lot of teaching of like shoulder compressions, effleurage along the spine. So using kind of like the heel of the palm. So there's less direct pressure and it's safer at home. And I talk about, you know, different amount of like the right amount of pressure to use with owners, things like that, which I just think is really helpful. I imagine not only can it be um, desensitizing, you know, over time, but also help to carry, you know, the benefits of the work that you do through from appointment to appointment, um, you know, just like for Kathy and, and me, you know, when you do your work and if owners do their work, then it makes our work easier. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The muscles can definitely be more open at the, the next appointment. Or if the owner, for whatever reason, needs to stretch out appointments further, it that is definitely helpful to do in between, you know, and helps hold the previous massage just a little bit longer, which is always great too. You mentioned stretching out appointments. And I, I know that it's animal dependent, you know, patient dependent, but what, what is a typical frequency of treatment with massage? So for massage, I definitely at the beginning like to see animals more frequently. So you, depending on what's going on, like you said, like usually it's either like once a week or once every two weeks for a little bit, then I'll push out to like three or four weeks. And then there are some patients that I even see like every like four months at this point, um, just because their bodies over time sometimes can hold, you know, the movements that we made a little bit longer, which is so great. And they're comfortable for longer in between appointments. Sam, we typically wrap up our, our podcast with asking our guests if they have like one pearl of information or a last thought that they want to leave our audience with or a particular success story. I know that I 
my last thought is we need to have you back again to discuss Reiki because, you know, that's come up uh, a few times. And I think that's something that um, most of people are not familiar with. I think mm-hmm. that in our country, you know, we're we're gradually adopting more Eastern medicine protocols. And and I think that's a, is it a Japanese technique, Sam? Reiki's Japanese, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I, I know people that have experienced it and said it's amazing. So I think that uh, we definitely love to have you back again and discuss that at some point. <clears throat> Just, it's so hard to talk about my job without bringing that up because it is such a huge part of my practice and how I do things. I think it just warrants its own show. Like there's yeah. so much to cover there. Yeah. Um, and so many questions. I think it just warrants its own show. So so Sam, can we backtrack then a little bit after mentioning Reiki? Um, if there is a last thought that you'd like to leave our audience with? Yeah, I was just going to say that I still, you know, think that massage is just it's so underrated. I think that even if there isn't a very obvious injury or reason to come in, it's so important as we age or as an animal ages to check in with your body and just make sure everything is flowing um, to its optimal ability. I think it makes such a difference on so many levels, like physically, emotionally, you know, all of the above. So I just think it's so important and it's always worth trying if you're thinking about trying it. Yeah. The the power of therapeutic touch. And I love the, how you said, use that term underrated because I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I try to tell my, my owners, like, don't be afraid to touch your animal, you know, and, and, yeah. you know, it's just so important. Yeah. It's yeah. Even in the human world, I wish it wasn't looked at like a spa treatment. I mean, I really wish like it was looked more at like a med, like a medical check-in type. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like, and that's I, thanks. Thanks to insurance companies that I know, you know, dictate I know. what they that, think is, yeah, actually medical or not. So thank you I, very much. Yeah. I do think it's heading more in that direction, but I just hope that we just keep getting information out there and it keeps heading that way. I think that, um, Soft tissue injury is probably one of the most underdiagnosed things, in, 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 especially from somebody who's, you know, had uh, primarily an experience as a radiology person and angel. Um, you know, if they didn't find anything orthopedically, you get your NSAIDs and you go home. And I think that they, you know, we're missing a whole piece of soft tissue injury diagnosis that we should be looking at. Yeah. And I am all for giving medicine. Right. Um, right. But I think that that is, it can be so helpful, but that's not solving like the, what, like the main cause of what's happening. So massage is one tool of many that can help actually that root cause so that, you know, maybe that medicine will work a little bit better. It doesn't even mean that they go off of it. It could just mean that it could make that medicine work better for them and the animal could be even more comfortable. And who doesn't want their animal to feel more comfortable? Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Sam, can you let our audience know uh, where can they find you? So my website is healingwithsamh.com and my office is located in Lexington, Massachusetts. You can find me on Instagram at healingwith underscore Sam. Thank you, Sam. So great to have you here. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Nice learning even more with you, even though we've worked together for years. I always learn more. Thank you. I know there's always something more, right? Mm-hmm. Never stop learning. Yes, exactly. 
Have a great day, Sam. Thanks. Thank you too. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Petability Podcast. For more information about Kathy's books and living with blind dogs, please visit EnableYourPet.com. Thank you, and please tune in next time.